Noah wants to win in a way that like makes me want to have him have my back in a bar fight. I think that day to day, Noah Saul is really good at that. He hypes people up. He's always ready to to say something that will get everyone focused. I'm guessing you've probably heard this one before, but Noah. Noah is absolutely the best motivational speaker. Hello and welcome to the Raleigh Proletarian Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Mead. We're here to connect you with the players and personalities of North Carolina semi-professional Ultimate Frisbee. Sorry for the delay the last few weeks on this pod. I was asked to be the public announcer for the Flyers. And so I've been down to our season opener down in Atlanta. And uh, on top of all our home games, I've also was out um, this last kind of week and a half, two weeks um, in Texas visiting family and, and seeing friends and saying goodbye to my childhood home. While I was there, I got to be out and see the Austin Soul play the Los Angeles Aviators in Austin, as well as the Dallas Roughnecks play on that same trip. Um, so I, I just have not been prioritizing the pod as much as I should have. So I will be better going forward. Our next interview, just to give you a, a kind of heads up, is with a Raleigh Radiance player. So we're looking forward to seeing who that is, mystery player, um, next week. For this interview, I had the pleasure of talking to longtime North Carolina Ultimate Force Noah Saul. Originally from Pennsylvania, Noah started playing in Mercer County Ultimate Disc League as a kid. And as you'll hear in the interview, it was a big part of how he became the, the player that he is today because of the investment that people had in him as a kid at that program. Uh, in high school, he played at Pensbury High School, which won states in 2004 and 2007, as well as winning Easterns in 2007 for his senior year. Since then, he's moved down here and played at the University of North Carolina from 2008 to 2011. And at the end of his senior year, got to be a part of the inaugural Next Gen Tour in 2011, which has some wild stories that you'll get to hear about in this interview. Uh, since then, he's been a part of our local elite men's club team, Ring of Fire, um, from 2010 all the way to the present. On the pro side, uh, Noah played for the New York Empire in 2014 before uh, there was more than just an East Division and a Midwest Division. And uh, then when the Flyers started in 2015, he's played for the Flyers um, all the way from now to the present, including being a captain the last several years. Saul Yannick mentioned this in his interview, but I, I think it's really cool. The more you grow in your game, the more you can appreciate and see all the little things Noah does on the field so well. He has had so many cool experiences and really has been kind of the heart and soul of the elite men's scene here in North Carolina. So uh, one other preface before we start, I will mention this interview was done about a month ago, right at the beginning of June before our ADL season had started. So there are some things he'll say that uh, in retrospect are a little funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, this is Mr. Noah Saul. All right. Today on the Raleigh Pro Ultimate Podcast, we're going to be talking to Noah Saul, apparently the best motivational speaker on the Flyers. Noah. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good, Luke. Happy to be here, and thanks for having me. So we'll start where we always do, which is who are you and what's your story? Who is Noah Saul, on, not just on the field, but also off the field? Well, it all goes back to when my parents met. And, no. uh, <laughs> let's, see, um, let's see. I was born in Hamilton, New Jersey, uh, 89, you know, last of the 80s babies, and uh, grew up in Trenton for a little, you know, a few years till about, I was about seven. My family moved across the river to Pennsylvania to a little town called Yardley, Yardley, PA, and uh, spent the rest of my kind of childhood and growing up years there. Um, went to high school at Pensbury High School there in Fairless Hills. And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I grew up, I'm one of three boys, so it was a very active household, always a lot going on. Uh, we're, me and my brothers are all about two years apart, so, you know, always people at the house, always games to be played. We're always outside doing neighborhood games and just kind of taking over the neighborhood, running wild, 
getting into some mischief, you know, but um, our, our dad played ultimate growing up, and so all three of us kind of took to it at a young age, and, you know, whenever we traveled, we traveled with a Frisbee, and that was kind of the thing. We were the Frisbee family, and, um, yeah, so we, my dad was actually, uh, at the time he was playing in the Mercer County Ultimate Disc League, shout out McCuddle, longest running disc league in the world. Really? Really. And uh, so, yeah, he was president of the league for a few years, and one of the years he was president, he uh, he started a kids' night, which all the old heads would bring their kids out, and that's kind of how we started playing Frisbee, and I was probably fifth grade at the time, was my first, like, competitive game in, in, in this kids' night, and kind of went from there, and just so happened, in the, you know, Pennsburg High School, where we moved in PA, had a Frisbee team already that was student-run, just a bunch of kind of these hippie kids running around doing their thing. Um, and so, you know, my dad, my, my older brother ended up joining the team and, and, you know, then I did and my little brother, we all had a run as captain of the team um, and kind of, you know, helped, helped take Pensbury to kind of this ragtag group of kids to, you know, state and eventual Eastern champions. Um, but yeah, and then I ended up down at UNC. I kind of, I went to a big public school and wanted to find a big public school for a university and kind of applied to UNC on a bit of a whim it was I I really didn't know much about it but I know it looked beautiful and I liked the Tar Heels I had this Tar Heel baseball cap when I was a kid that I just loved the little blue foot and for some reason that stuck out to me and it was kind of I applied last second on like the last day the application was due and ended up getting in and I went I, I had narrowed it down to kind of UNC and Michigan were the two schools I wanted to go to and I went out and visited Michigan end of March and had a great time, party with the Frisbee team. They had just won sectionals or something, so I got to meet all those guys and really liked Ann Arbor. This is a really cool town, and the campus was great. And I left that trip and was like... What year was this? This is, I guess, 2006. I graduated high school in 07, so visited in 06. And, um, yeah, I left the, at Michigan trip thinking, like, I'm definitely going to Michigan. But I had already scheduled a trip to UNC two weeks later. So I was like, all right, well, I'll go visit and check that out, too. Do my due diligence. And went down there, and it was, I mean, in Michigan, it was still, like, winter, essentially. And I went to UNC in April, and it was just gorgeous. It was perfect weather, you know, all the pretty girls in sundresses and this amazing <laughs> campus. And I was just like, okay, I'm definitely going here instead. And, uh, yeah, same thing, kind of got to meet the Frisbee team, and, and they seemed to have a pretty strong culture. And, you know, that wasn't like a decider for me, but I definitely only was going to go to a school with a program that I could play in right away. And um, so, yeah, I ended up going to UNC, really loved it there. So, uh, studied psychology and really enjoyed that. Just, you know, learned a lot about people and, you know, thought for a while that I was going to go to grad school and maybe be a psychologist or do research or something, but then kind of graduated college and didn't feel like going right back to school. So I ended up going out to Colorado for a season. I was a lifty at Copper Mountain. Shout out Copper Mountain. Yeah, great time. Spent a season in Colorado really learning how to snowboard well and just, you know, living the dream out there. And then when that was over, I was like, well, I'm going to come back to North Carolina and play ring again because I had played my first summer in 2010 uh, between my junior and senior year of college. Really loved the team, loved the commitment, loved just like the dedication and, and just how intense everybody was. And so, yeah, I came back to play Ring of Fire that summer of 2011 and been in North Carolina ever since. That's cool. So you've been part of basically playing Frisbee for a long time, which I feel like is still rare among some communities. But was that common in um, where you're from? Uh, I wouldn't say it was common. It, at the time I was in high school, the Philadelphia had a really great high school ultimate scene, actually, maybe even stronger than it is now. We had, 
you know, 25 teams, we would all meet up and schedule like regular season league games. And there was lots of tournaments going on in Philly at the time. So it was a really, really good high school scene at the time, but nothing younger than that. And even a lot of, you know, like I, I played other sports growing up. I didn't even, you know, I played lacrosse for a year in high school before I really just like went full on Frisbee. Um, yeah, so I would say, you know, even for my high school team, like we recruited a lot of ex-football players and other guys. So it wasn't very common to have kids who really knew what Frisbee was. I was teaching most people as a freshman how to play. So you've been in there since about 2008. When did you meet your wife? So I met my wife. Let's see here. I got to get my timeline right or else she be What's mad. What's her name? <laughs> my wife, Lee. Uh, we met St. Patrick's Day of 2013 at a mutual friend's St. Patty's Day slash UNC basketball watch party. UNC was playing that day, and a friend of mine from school who she was a co-worker with had people over, and we met then and, uh, you know, hit it off. I was actually wearing a Frisbee jersey, and she had previously dated a Frisbee player and saw the jersey and knew that it was a Frisbee jersey, and I was just blown away that she had any idea what Frisbee was, let alone called me out for wearing a jersey. And, um, so yeah, with, she was dating someone else at the time. You know, we kind of hit it off, but nothing really happened, and months and months later ran into each other um out at neptunes in raleigh which is a bar kind of this underground late night dance spot and uh ran into each other one saturday night kind of like hit it off again ran into her again following saturday same place and then you know got her number and started dating shortly after that so you've been playing ring since 2010 then 20 2009 and then so what else i know you, you the flyers is not the only pro team you've played for so can you talk a little bit about other places you played pro and then also of course uh, just kind of your general club experience since you've joined ring yeah sure so i guess fresh out of college you know i had a couple odd jobs finally landed my first kind of corporate like desk job you know probably around the same time i met my wife maybe 2013 or so a little before that and um so, you know, I was in this job, kind of working my way up, and then, yeah, in 20, well, it's actually, what's interesting is, right when I graduated college in 2011, I actually had the opportunity to buy the Philadelphia franchise. This was the <laughs> first year in the ADL, and, I, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with how the ADL started, but it was literally just this one guy who's, like, sent out a bunch of emails and was trying to get people to buy franchises for $1,000, and that was how this all started, and he was trying to get eight teams on board, and... I was just graduating college, had no money to speak of. You know, I could have scraped together the money to buy the franchise, but then I was like, what am I going to do at that point? I have no money to invest. It's probably not going to go anywhere. I'm not doing that. So even though I was, you know, I was from Philly and had a lot of connections there. Someone had reached out to me and, and asked if I was interested. And so anytime the Phoenix lose or win, or anytime they lose, it's, it's because you didn't buy the team. That's what we're hearing right now. Maybe you could say that. I sometimes wonder what my life would have been like if I had bought the team and gone all in on trying to make that work. But, but yeah, um, so that was kind of at, at first I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And then, you know, the next year the MLU kind of start broke, broke off from the ADL, did their thing. And there was two competing leagues, and I thought they were both destined to fail. So in 2014... They started Eastern Division? Right. So I guess that was when DC entered the league, yeah. I think. And... and yeah, and so it kind of was starting to creep down south, and it was close enough that you know a few of us decided, hey, let's go try out for the DC teams. And we tried. I went up, carpooled up there with a couple of dudes. I think Matt Bode and like Stephen Poulos at the time, and Justin Allen. We went and tried out for 
the DC Breeze and whatever the MLU team, I can't remember what they're called now. But yeah, so we went up there and tried out for them and we were trying, you know, we thought we were hot shit trying to negotiate so much money per game and how they were going to pay us. And we're like, yeah, we're getting paid. This is awesome. So we knew we had met, Bode and I had went and played Fool's Fest the year prior and actually won the men's division. And one of the guys that was on the team with us was this guy, Tom Gibbs, who ended up being the head coach of the New York team the next year. And so he somehow he and Matt Bode started talking and and you know that became an option of like oh maybe we could go play Empire and so Matt me Justin Allen Jesse Lieberman ended up going up there and trying out for the Empire that year and so we were kind of like seeing what we could get you know farming around all these different teams there was still MLU league at the time and we were just trying to see who would give us the best deal and like what we could do and so ended up the Empire was willing to basically pay for us to live in New York for a summer. They, they gave us room and board. They gave us, you know, grocery stipend, metro cards, part-time gigs for cash. So we were like living the dream. We were like, hell yeah, let's do that. So yeah, the four of us went up there in 2014 as like the kind of NC crew. And we went up there and we got put up in this place in Harlem, which we promptly got kicked out of because the person who had the lease didn't get the sublet approved. And then we, you know, got thrown in Jersey City for a little while. And then we were like, we don't want to live in Jersey City. So we found another place in Harlem. You know, there was some, some drama for sure, but it ended up being just a really great, great experience. I mean, we, it was a great taste of the city. We were up there the whole summer. And how did the team do? The team was good. I mean, it was, we made the final four that year. And this was, again, before the Southern Division. So it was just the East and the Midwest. And so let's see, we lost, we were second to Toronto, I guess, in the division. We beat DC to make the playoffs. And then we played Chicago in the playoffs. We had like Goose Helton at the time, some of those guys. We beat them in New York in a fun game and then went to the Final Four where we lost again to Toronto in the semifinals. And they were, you know, they were at the, they won that year and they at the time were just extremely good. Mark Lloyd was in his peak and um, they were really tough to stop. And so they kind of had our number, but we made the Final Four. It was a fun season. We had a blast. This guy, Tom Gibb, who was the coach, did not really have an ultimate background. He played. But it was he, he didn't play super competitively ever, and he was kind of more of a baseball guy, and he was more like a, of a player-manager type person. And at the time, essentially, we kind of brought a lot of strategy up with us from North Carolina, and we kind of I kind of ran the offense. So that was really fun, getting to basically just take over the offense and run whatever I wanted and try and experiment a little bit on the big field. And, yeah, and, the, and as the NC crew, we, you know, we all got to ball out together on the O-line. So, yeah, it was, really, it was a great experience and a lot of fun. And, the team was fun. I'm still still tight with a few of those guys that played, and so cool to see some of those guys go on and win the championship last year. I'm happy for them. Um, unfortunately, I missed that New York game last year, which was a big bummer. But um, nonetheless, you know, it was, it was definitely a fun time playing for the Empire and, and a cool experience, and that was my introduction to the AUDL. So then the next year, South Division starts, Casey and, and Mike get their flyers started. So was it like what was your role in that? Obviously, like you'd already been playing UDL, so I'm assuming they talked to you pretty quickly. But I mean, how was that first year and how did that kind of develop from there? Yeah, so I mean, it's at the time there was kind of a lot going on. So, you know, Ring, we had made our first semifinals in 2012 and then had kind of a down year in 2013. And then following that year, we started talking to Mike D. I was a captain of Ring at the time. Uh, along with Taylor Pope and Brian Casey, and we had started talking to Mike D about potentially coaching Ring. We kind of saw that we needed a little. Basically, we'd never Ring had never had a coach, and we thought it was time. Basically, if we really wanted to take the next step, that we needed a coach. And and Mike D was the most willing to really jump on board. We talked to Tully Beatty, a couple other kind of like local legends, and 
Mike had the most time, was the most local, and, and could seem like he was the most committed. So Mike came on to coach Ring in 2014, which was the same year that I left to play Empire. See, I mean, that was like, we, I basically came back and caught the end of the Ring season that year, the, the four of us did. And, you know, we that was the year that we kind of, getting Mike D as a coach also helped us get some of these X-Rates guys like Ben Dieter, Joey Cortella, Shane Sisko, who came in and gave Ring a big boost. And so, you know, that was that crazy 2014 semifinal loss we had after an epic comeback. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of what I would consider like the new era of Ring. And so when Mike basically told us that he was buying this franchise in 2015, well, Mike basically had no choice but to buy the franchise because there was a team coming to North Carolina, whether he was involved or not. And I think he kind of knew that he had to be involved or else he was going to lose control of, of the scene and maybe lose a bunch of top players and who knows. So, so he got involved in the ownership and, you know, at that point, you know, obviously, well, we had, you know, we still, from talking with the DC guys, then even in 2015, like we, you know, had, had, had a couple offers to come play for them still. The Empire guys kind of wanted us back. I actually got an offer from the Montreal team to do a similar, like go up there and live for the summer. And so there was definitely some options, but at the end of the day, like I was very committed to ring and a lot of those guys were playing flyers and, you know, I wanted to build a championship team in my hometown, not for somebody else. So, so yeah, even though they weren't, you know, the flyers has always been more of like a community effort and they're not, they don't pay any players like a ton of money. There's no like big salaries or big deals. And, you know, while it was like cool to get the big money to go play in New York, you know, really I wanted to build a team here. And so it wasn't much of a decision for me. So then you start the team. So how was the first year was the only year we've been to championship weekend so far. So what was the energy like at the very first home game? What was that kind of postseason like? Like what was the vibe for that first year? Yeah, the vibe was great. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was just great. We had good fan support from the, from the beginning. That Wake Med field was just amazing to play on. That was like, you know, that's, that's to this day, I think is the best grass I've ever played on and just an awesome venue. And, and yeah, it was a lot of fun home games. You know, the road trips were fun. We were, I mean, we just had a successful season. It was a really good year, and we, we kind of ran through a bunch of teams in our division, and so we all had a blast. And, yeah, like I said, just the, the fans really came out and made it special, and going to that championship weekend was great. I mean, I had been the year before, so I was like expect, kind of expecting to go back and kind of always expecting to go back. But, um, but yeah, it was really fun going out to, to San Jose for that one and playing in the big stadium. And, yeah, I mean, just that first year, it, it was just – it was interesting because – like I said, I had kind of done it before, but for most people, it was it was an experiment, and we were still figuring out like how to run offense and if we're going to run the same things we run in club or not, and just trying to figure get used to the time games. You know, it was a lot of uh, still new for me and brand new for for everyone else. Um, so there's a lot of adjustment there, but I think we all kind of could tell that at, at that point that hey, this might be around for a little while, and like you know, it's, we're going to invest in this and try and be the best we can be. So it was cool. So then from there we get 2017, 2018, 19. They've all been really kind of incredible teams, but then none of them beat Dallas. So what can you talk a little bit about just the your experience with the Flyers from there and kind of how the team developed? I mean, Mike talked a little bit about it being kind of a slog once you got kind of used to it. I don't know if that was your experience as a player or obviously there were some wrinkles in 2018 with like Goose and Brett and, and Bob Lou moving into town. And that was a really kind of superpower team that went 13 and one and then... Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about that playoff game. And then, uh, and then this, but then compared to 2019, where we get all the young guys who come in. So just like, how's have you seen the team evolve, whether from a personality standpoint or strategy standpoint? Kind of standout memories from that. Just like, like, what's it been like as a flyer before this year? 
Yeah, I mean, the team has definitely evolved a lot since those early days. So for the first couple of years of Flyers, we had some of the older ring guys who had just, just retired. They couldn't really commit to the to these travel tournaments but could still come out and play these one-game weekend kind of things. You know, Dave Snoke, Ben Dieter, some of those guys. So, yeah, so we were kind of still hanging on to some of these ring guys who were phasing out of ring. And then, yeah, it started to get, you know, some different talent in kind of 2016, 2017. Some of these young guys start started kind of aging up and really developing in the college. You know, UNC is successful at the time. So we're starting to get these UNC pickups, you know, Nut and whoever. So, yeah, I mean, it was – it definitely was a grind. Like I think the first year, everyone was so excited to try something new. It was kind of like, "Whoa, this is really cool!" Like pro frisbee, we made it. And then you get through the, kind of that first double season, you're like, "Wow, that was a lot of frisbee we just played." And some of these guys are still in college, playing year round, you know. So you know, 2016, 17 roll around, and we're we're all of a sudden like, "Oh man, like we gotta this is this is tough. This double season is a grind, and we really need to figure out how to take care of our bodies and like work in breaks and like kind of figure out." how we're going to do that and and yeah i mean we're we are unique in our situation in raleigh as as one of the teams really in the country with the most crossover between club and pro i think a lot of cities kind of the talent naturally splits up some guys still prioritize club a lot of these younger guys are prioritizing pro and and for us we've just you know especially with mike d being the coach of both We've always tried to just have as much crossover as possible, thinking that the more we play together, the better we'll be. And I think that definitely has paid off in some ways. You know, we've kind of maintained a high level across every year. But at the same time, you know, you get to the end of the season and a lot of these guys are, are beat up and we're, we're like hanging on by a thread. And so I think those kind of 16, 17 years definitely represented that where, where it was just tough to really get through the whole thing. And at the same time, both teams are performing well, but, you know, obviously no championship. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, 18, you know, got it, get an influx of some of these travel guys who are older, which also is interesting to kind of coming in with these, these young guys we have coming up locally and get some of these older guys from different experiences coming to the team. And that was kind of a cool mesh. Um, but again, you know, we, we had a great season, but only got so far. And so. Well, and that was the year we went to Texas. We should have had hosted the home game, which I was so mad about. Instead, we had to go to we went went to we saved money and went to Texas and then just beating Austin the night before and then having to play Dallas in Dallas and ugh, exactly, being up yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, one of those you know one of the things about being in kind of a startup league is you know not everything is super fair or works out the way ideally you want it to and so see even though we won the division because the other two playoff teams were both in Texas, you know it made the most sense financially for all teams involved for us to just go there. And, that, you know, that Texas doubleheader, which we did every year in the regular season, just always a tough trip. You know, it's it's four or five hours between the cities. It's a flight beforehand. It's two tough games. And so, you know, even though we were on top of the division and feeling really good going in, you know, obviously we knew it was going to be hard. And, yeah, that one came – they've got a great home uh, arena in Dallas and, you know, great fans that show up. And, yeah, they made a good comeback on us and, you know – Really, at the end, it almost essentially came down to like a play, like one play where I think LaRogue was out the back of the end zone. But yes, that's... thank you. Thank you for finally saying it. No one has acknowledged this. Every time I watch this, I'm like, this out. is clearly, clearly out of bounds. Out. Everyone's going bonkers because it's a great play. He's clearly out of bounds. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, you know, at the end of the day, it was definitely heartbreaking. But, you know, again, we're right there. And I, you know, I, at the end of the day, that's why I play the games, to be in those big moments and have these awesome games come down to one play and it was you know it was heartbreaking but at the same time it was really fun and yeah it's just been a fun ride every year 
So let's move to this year's team, which obviously is doubly exciting because we didn't get to have a season last year. So there's just all this pent up energy. Just looking at kind of the team and how it's how it's meshed so far. My first question is, what do you most want from the Flyers season and the this this Flyers team this year? That's a good question. I would say, I would say what I really want is just for everyone to to kind of leave everything on the field, you know, and and just put their entire selves and put put their hearts into it. I think, um, you know, we, we've definitely have the talent. This is the most talented team we've probably ever had. And although, you know, maybe in years past, we've been more athletic, just kind of in a raw athleticism perspective. This is such a talented team. So I think we're the only thing that can really stop us. And if we're, if we're putting our all into every game and we're playing with, you know, with our hearts and just kind of leaving it all on the field, I really don't see many teams that are going to be able to stop us. So yeah, I'm just excited to see it all come together. And and yeah, excited to see some of these this new talent really kind of blow up, and you know some of these guys who only you know Fish and Saul who only played one year essentially, um, you know I think a lot of these young guys are going to blow up this year. Do you have a moment or an event that you're most looking forward to this season? Uh, I'm personally looking very forward to that Empire game, mostly because I missed it last year, and that was you know that kind of it was a pivotal moment in the season that I was I wasn't. Uh, I was in a wedding, and so I couldn't be there. Uh, I was actually best man in a wedding, so not just any wedding, for the record. Um, so, yeah, I was really bummed to miss that, and that, that, you know, definitely kind of put a damper a bit on the end of our season there. But really looking forward to that game, and, yeah, really just looking forward to, to like, those games at the end of the season where where it matters, where the season's on the line, where, you know, whether if we're in playoff contention or if we're in the playoffs, maybe that first playoff game, but really you just get into that point of the season where where you you know your back's against the wall and it's like fight or flight that's my favorite part yeah and we haven't played meaningful frisbee in what 17 18 months now so just to like actually get on the field and know something matters is going to be and what's cool about the udl compared to club i mean club i don't want to say the regular season doesn't matter because you need to earn a bid but at the end of the day like how you're playing at the beginning of the season doesn't really matter versus the udl every game kind of it, it does matter because especially in this Atlantic division where it sure feels like there's eight teams, but I, I think they're all going to be pretty feisty. I don't think anyone's walking in expecting not to make a playoff spot right now. So yeah, I mean this, the, the first game is going to matter the, as as much as the 12th game is. So it'll be cool. Do you have a fan reaction that gets you personally most hyped? A fan reaction. Um, I honestly, I enjoy a lot getting booed in the away games. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously ring has kind of a thing with booing ourselves, but I like I like being in kind of that enemy territory and pissing the fans off because we're winning or because we make some great plays and like that when you get that those jeers from the crowd after you've just done something awesome that's almost to me like more motivating than the home fans going crazy because you expect the home fans to be jacked but but when you're like playing well enough to really bum out the home fans of another team that's kind of my favorite. So you probably love playing in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although they don't have the best crowds down there, but it's always a really competitive game, and there's always a few good hecklers in the stands, so that's always fun. And and their uh, their announcer too will like crack jokes and kind of talk smack on the players, and so I personally enjoy that kind of thing. All right, so my favorite question: We're now part of this Super Atlantic Division. It's like half of the league, eight teams. We've got Atlanta, Tampa Bay, New York, Boston, D.C., Philly, Pittsburgh. We've never even played some of these teams like uh, Pittsburgh or Philly before. Lots of new exciting matchups. I want you to rank the seven teams. Now, you're not going to rank the Flyers, 
We're going to we're going to leave us out. We'll just assume we're number 1 or we can leave them out however you want to put it. But of those 7 teams, you can go top to bottom or bottom to top. How would you rank those teams as far as who you think will be the most challenging? Most challenging for us or most challenging for the Flyers? Most challenging for the Flyers. So uh, I still think New York has got to be the top of that list. I mean, they're kind of the early season favorites. I think DC is probably next. I mean, they even though we, we've kind of had their number in pro and club for a few years now and, and tend to beat them when it matters, they've beaten us in the regular season and always give us a good game. And, and you know, they're a well-coached team, and, and they're just a challenging matchup for us. So that's probably two. I would say I really don't know anything about Boston. I don't think anybody does, so I'm going to leave them out for now. Probably I'm kind of curious to see Pittsburgh. I mean, I think they have kind of that – that scrappy athleticism that could could be trouble, um, you know that that could be tough. I'd say them and Atlanta are probably on par and kind of the same kind of middle of the pack, like solid. Definitely could beat us, but not you know shouldn't I would say. You know, a lot of people are talking about this new look Atlanta team and and maybe think they're going to be good, but I'm not convinced. I really am not. You know they're going to run that same zone that we're going to have no problem with. Just because they got Antoine Davis doesn't mean they're all of a sudden a good team. So, I mean, they're good, but they're not great. And I'm, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. So, um, I think that Tampa Bay road trip is going to be tough because it always is tough. July 4th weekend, too. Yeah, July 4th. We're missing some people for, for that. And it's just always tough to drive 11 hours down there and, like, get really hyped for the game. And they, you know, they take advantage of that. And, like I said, they have, like, you know, some good hecklers in the crowd and they get real amped up. So I think that's going to be a very tough road trip, even though I think they're probably the second worst team in the division with Philly being the worst team, which, you know, I love Philly. I'm from Philly, but they just really haven't had like a great men's team in a while. And, and I think they're definitely bottom of the barrel. So, so yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, probably New York, D.C., and then maybe Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and then kind of Tampa, Boston, Philly down at the bottom. We'll see what happens. So Boston, just probably in the bottom, but not sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm really not sure. I don't know what kind of, like, how much overlap they're going to have with their club players. You know, I know there's a lot of talent kind of in the Northeast in that region generally, but it really just depends, you know, who shows up and how well they put it together. And, and they haven't played in the ADL before, so who knows. If you could play one non-division opponent this year, who would you pick? Probably have to be Dallas. I mean, I, I mean, just, just kind of love those games. We've got a great rivalry with them. Hopefully, we'll get to get a crack at them in, in the final four or something like that. Um, but yeah, that'd be fun. And you know, as far as like a team we've never played before, I've always wanted to play the Cascades, like that Seattle team. I don't know why. I just they've had some good runs, and uh, yeah, it'd be fun to play against them. The ageless Mark Burton still playing again. He just inspires me. Who's the best dancer on the Flyers? Wow, best dancer. Um, it has been a couple years, so I haven't seen much action recently. But, I mean, I would say, judging by the last season and kind of the road trips and when we actually got out to party a little bit, I'll admit, Henry Fisher, that boy can dance, you know. He's, and it's, you know, he's, he's a little clunky. He's, he's, he's lanky. He's kind of awkward sometimes, but he's like full send, you know. He really commits to it, and I think that's really what's important when, when it comes to dancing is – He's just he's doing his thing and he's not afraid and he's he goes for it. So I would say uh, yeah, probably Henry. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Who's the funniest player on the Flyers? Who makes you laugh? Um, yeah, probably Terrence Mitchell might be the funniest. I mean, probably the person that makes me laugh the most. 
um, just with his like nonchalantness about everything. And, and besides that, maybe Eric Taylor, also pretty funny and like in a kind of quirky, kind of weird way. But, but, you know, he just always is joking around and, and loves to talk and like ask weird hypotheticals and just always like come up this wild ass stuff that makes me laugh. So probably the two of those guys. Do you have a, maybe a newer teammate or maybe not, but just, you have a, is there a teammate that you're excited to get to know a little more? Maybe they're new to town or you haven't gotten a chance to know them as well. Just anyone that's like, Hey, I'd like to get to know this person better. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, there's a few guys really just, uh, especially some of the, the new younger guys, as far as someone that I don't know that well, that I'd like to get to know, um, trying to think i mean a couple of the new guys like ethan bloodworth trevor lynch some of the the kind of college kids coming up who seem seem cool and are like just you know really uh seem to have a good head on their shoulders seem like good dudes yeah i mean really just everybody it feels like it's been so long since we've played frisbee together um yeah i'm just excited to spend time with everybody and kind of get those those the team bonding on road trips again and, and do all that but you know, I think mostly the younger guys, like a lot of the older guys, I, I know pretty well from having played for a while. Um, and so it's some of these new guys I'm kind of excited to get to know better and hang out with more. So we're now allowed to trade. I'm not asking you who you're trading. I know you really want to get rid of some people on the team, but we'll just assume you can't do that. But who, do, who would your trade target be? Who do you most want? And if the answer is, I want Jack back, you can say that, but then we need another one as well. Okay, well, outside of Jack, obviously. <laughs> um, hmm. Trying to think, one person that I've always kind of wanted to play with, and we tried to recruit at one point, was Abe Coffin. Just really explosive player, you know, dynamic, great cutter, great thrower. Played against him a bunch when he was on Dallas, um, and yeah, I think he'd, he'd be a guy that I would love to get to play with. And like I said, we tried to recruit him for a couple of years, and would have been would have been cool. But yeah, if, if I ever got the chance, you know, come on over the Flyers, Abe. So let's flip it. Obviously, you've played for some other franchises, but is there another franchise that you would love another chance to play for or uh, a franchise that you've never played for before that you would love to to actually get to play for? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I mean, there's a lot of places that would be cool to play. You know, honestly, the, the Canadian teams get such awesome crowds and have so much support. Like, when I was on New York and we played in Montreal, they had you know, thousands of people in the stands. Like, I think it'd be really cool to play for either Montreal or Toronto where they're consistently getting 2,000 plus people in the stands and it's just like tons of support and like really, you know, it's a really big deal out there. So that would be pretty cool. It's just bonkers to me how many fans they have at games. Like you watch footage and you're just like, what, why? Oh, that's so cool. So going into the season, do you have a particular skill or a mindset? I mean, you've been playing for a long time and so maybe it isn't a skill set. Maybe it's just a mindset. I mean, what do you want from yourself as far as growth? this season uh yeah i mean i guess personally i'm just trying to really get back into like my peak physical shape right now you know um took some time with with the hiatus to kind of prioritize uh my business which i started at the end of 2019 and you know my family and my wife i got married also the end of 2019 so you know during covid I, i've been kind of focusing more on that kind of stuff and yeah, like now that Frisbee is back, I'm just really focused on getting back into, you know, my my peak form that I was in before. And I feel kind of healthy now having a little bit of time off and kind of took care of some of those nagging injuries. And it's the best I felt physically in a few years. So I'm excited about that and just to kind of really push back to, to where I was. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm uh, from there just kind of focusing, kind of refocusing on my defensive 
kind of side of the ball. And, you know, obviously on the big field, defense is just hard in general. Um, and so really just trying to to just get better at that kind of locked in, shut down man defense or person defense on the big field, which is so hard to do. I mean, a lot of teams play a lot of this kind of switchy junk looks because it's so hard to, to run with people on the big field. And so I want to be physically and just in the place and, and just kind of get the footwork and the skills and all that stuff back so I can just like, you know, be cover another team's best player and just like shut them down on the big field. If you could wave a magic wand on one of your teammates and they're going to have like a breakout season or just kind of be peak of them for this year, is there a particular teammate that you think is either rearing for that or you would wish that for them? Just like one teammate that you really think like people should be watching on the Flyers. Yeah, so many of these young guys are poised to have breakout seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you don't count Fish's 2019 season, even though I guess that was kind of his breakout season, but I think he's got more to give, honestly. Eric Taylor is also another guy who who is, you know, I think going to have a breakout season, but it would be awesome to just, you know, make sure, get the wand going and just give him a peak season. Um, even Alan LaViolette, I mean, uh, he, yeah, I mean, he's one of these guys that doesn't, he never tries to do too much, but if he did, he could do whatever he wants. And so it'd be fun to see him kind of take over some games. Um, and then, you know, Saul and Matt kind of behind the disc handling, Saul Yannick and Matt Gujohannes. Those two guys have been playing together since they're basically in diapers. I mean, and so, so I'm excited to kind of see them work together this year and, and hopefully they can kind of break out and, and yeah, I just want to see, you know, this is Matt's first, first season in the ADL so I expect him to kind of have a bit of a breakout just you know from club to pro so that'll be cool but yeah if, if I mean really any one of these guys goes off which probably a few of them will it'll be pretty awesome to see let alone Ethan or Seth or this other yeah the crew's crazy it's it's gonna be so much fun all right we need some heat like don't be boring we need the most like spicy so what's the spiciest take you have for this AUDL season, it could be a team not making the playoffs. It could be a team not making the final four. It could be a crazy team winning it all. It could be a particular player winning MVP. It could be like, what, what's your spiciest hot take for the season? Oh man, I should have thought more about this before the interview. Um, spiciest hot take. I would get to say, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that the empire will not make the final four this year. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty spicy. And so they make playoffs and lose in their playoff game? Yeah, I think I think they're good for the playoffs, but I think everyone assumes that they're going to be right back in the Final Four, and I'm going to say that they do not make it this year. Spice! <laughs> All right, moving away from Flyers just for a little bit. Uh, so just talking Ultimate in general, uh, do you have a favorite moment with an Ultimate as an experience overall? Oh, man. Um, favorite? Well, I mean, there's definitely a few games that come to mind. Um, I would say probably one of the most fun things that I've gotten to do through Ultimate was the Next Gen Tour. Um, I did not know that. You played Next Gen? Yeah, the first year of Next Gen, 2011, I was on the bus. And, you know, it, the Next Gen lasted three years total. But the first year we did it was just such an experiment. Literally nobody knew if we were going to make, make it through the month. You know, we, we travel around for a month playing 15 of the best teams in North America. Yeah, can you talk about Next Gen? Because some people who are listening to this have no idea. Yeah, so in 2011, right as I was graduating college, I get hit up randomly by this guy, Kevin Minderhout, who is 
you know, basically putting together a, a college all-star team to go around and play all the best club teams in North America. And at the time, Kevin was living in China or something or living abroad, teaching English. You know, he, he was kind of this, you know, one of these guys who graduated college and was doing his own thing and but was into ultimate, played at Oregon. And so came up with this idea to do basically like this barnstorming tour with a bunch of the best college players. And, yeah, so I got I got hit up about that, and I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm in. And, yeah, so he got, you know, 15 guys to, to agree, and basically we all met in Seattle, had like, you know, a week of just kind of hanging out and getting to know each other and playing a little bit. And then we started this tour, went up to Vancouver and worked our way down the West Coast and then across and up the East Coast and then back around. And it was just a ton of fun, A, getting to just – we, it was like an old school bus that he gutted and renovated and put couches and a few bunk beds in there and the TV and stuff. And we had like a computer in the back where the guy would edit the footage and, and pub, you know, post it after games. And it was just like, it was basically like a, a bunch of unsupervised kids. You know, the guy putting the whole thing together was a year or two older than the rest of us. And we're all fresh out of college, just kind of having fun with it. Um, so it was really, I mean, that was just an epic experience getting to not only drive across country and see all these awesome cities, but play with a bunch of these guys I'd been playing against, you know, in college and even high school um, and getting to know some of these guys. And, yeah, I mean, that was just so many fun times and fun memories from that trip. That's one of the coolest things that I've been able to do through Ultimate. Probably the game that sticks out most that I'll never forget is that 2014 semifinal loss to Boston with, you know, epic 20-minute universe point. We were down, you know, 11-5 or something, came back, tied it at, 13s and were you playing in that point too? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I played. I was you know that year I was cap, you know basically like D line captain or whatever you want to say. And so, yeah, or our, our, you know I think we had probably the best D line in the country that year. And yeah, when we finally got on the field and just started rattling off breaks and and you could kind of feel the energy changing. It was getting dark. The crowd was kind of shifting to our side. That was also when the kind of the booze started for ring. So we had. You know, the stands were full. It was one of the first years that USAU did these semifinals under the lights, trying to kind of create this fan atmosphere. And we had that whole crowd just booing so loud. And, that you know, that was pretty epic. So that game, despite losing in heartbreaking fashion, um, was, you know, one of the most memorable I've ever been a part of, for sure. Can you name the player or coach who you've learned the most from? I mean, it's just as far as sheer volume, it's, it's got to be Mike D. I mean, I've, he's, I've been playing under him for, for several years now, I mean, essentially since 2014 and even before that at UNC. You know, back in the day at, when, when, when I played in high school and the, when we got our first coach, you know, for a while it was a student-run team. And then my senior year we got this guy, Billy Kiefer, to coach us. Uh, shout out Billy Kiefer and Pike. Uh, you know, that Pike was the best Philly team back in the day, and we basically had – you know, Kiefer came in and taught our high school team everything that Pike ran. And that was just kind of like a transformative moment where we like really learned like the systems that real teams are running and like the, how to really run a vert stack. Um, and then, you know, a few other of those, those early, some of the guys from my early playing days that were on Pike at the time, um, you know, Mike Jackson, Walt Kalicki, some of these guys who, before I played ring, I played for a club team called Roots of Rhythm. Basically, me and my brother started it. It was a bunch of our high school buddies and, and guys we played against in high school. And we were this kind of young, up-and-coming team trying to battle against Pike, who was the you know sectional and regional kind of powerhouse at the time, along with Ring of Fire. And, yeah, you know, we never wanted to – we were like 
thought we could beat them, didn't want to join them kind of thing, and kind of built up our young team. But I got a couple of their recently retired players to kind of help us out and, and show us the ropes. And so, yeah, Mike Jackson played with us for a year, and, and that was just, again, like really transformative kind of seeing get, getting to play with some some of these older guys who just been around the block and knew how to train and knew what kind of dedication it took and knew how to really run practices. Um, so some of those old guys stick out for sure. So what's your favorite Frisbee team or game ever to watch that you did not play on or were a part of? I generally watch footage of us playing. I don't watch a ton of footage of other teams, sure. mostly just because I don't have the time really yeah, to, to totally. dive that deep. But gosh, I don't know. I mean, I will say one of my favorite games to watch generally is that game after you've won regionals when you get to sit around and watch the game to go, which, you know, as part of Ring, I've, I've had the pleasure of doing that a few times. And, I mean, that's always just like, that's always the best game to watch because you just, you know, you just sealed your ticket to national whatever, and then you get to see two teams who are battling for their seasons, and you're just kind of hanging out drinking beer and just heckling. Um, so those are always my my favorite. Pretty much every season, that's like one of my favorite games to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. As far as just uh, other other teams or players to watch or or games that that are fun. Gosh, I don't know that. I can't remember. Must have been maybe 2016 nationals finals between Revolver and Ironside. Yep. That was pretty fun, and uh, you know, back and forth game came down to Universe Point, and on Universe Point, you know, the best player on each team had a turnover, Kurt and Bo, and I thought that was pretty epic, um, and you know, came down to it, and I, I think that was Boston's first championship, if I'm remembering correctly, only. only championship after making semis for like ten years, um, and so, so that was that was a pretty epic game, I would say to watch. What, you know, unfortunately, we had lost and we're kind of salty in the stands watching, but it was still a cool game to watch. I just think it's cool that you were there. Again, I've, I've watched that game a couple times, and it was one of the first early games when I was really starting to follow like Elite Ultimate. So to watch, like, I think that game had, it was either three or five turnovers the whole game with obviously two on that last point. So it's just a clean, it's a bonkers clean game. But what's the worst Ultimate game you've ever played in? Oh, worst game would have to be queen city in like 2010 or something it was snowing it was cold it was wet and yeah we played played some game there i mean there was literally inches of snow on the ground and it was still windy and crappy weather and we played a couple games that we didn't even make it to eight points you know i think one one game may have even been like three two or something like that or like six five i mean there was couple really bad games that weekend yeah i think there was one that literally was like the score was three to two and that's got to be just the crappiest game ever i think this is the same game mike d said he was like we literally had a game that was three two and it was absolutely gross and i've never wanted to quit ultimate more all right next section we're gonna go to our give and go these are kind of faster paced quick quick questions quick answers if you have one you really want to elaborate on feel free but otherwise we're gonna try and rip through so here's our give and go. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, first question. Bidding under D to get the turn or huge sky upwind for the score? I've always loved the layout Ds. I mean, just, uh, yeah, Get, getting Ds is hard in Frisbee, and when you can blow up someone on under on a layout, that's like a momentum shifter right there. Definition of a great teammate? Someone who is just puts the team before themselves, you know, someone selfless who is always thinking about what's best for the team and not what's best for them. Scuba or hammer? 
uh, hammer for me. I've, my scuba is, is never been great. Actually, my lefty scuba is better than my righty scuba, but yeah, I'll always throw the hammer first. My lefty scuba is also better than my righty scuba. That's a funny story, but favorite fan reaction at a game? Yeah, I mean, I, I just like, I, I really like a good heckler, even if they're not on our team. But yeah, probably favorite fan reaction is, is when you hush the crowd of an opposing team because you just made a play and it goes completely silent and you could hear a pin drop. That's my favorite. Have you ever eaten 12 eggs in one sitting like Eric Taylor would every single day in high school? Jesus, no. That sounds like a digestive nightmare. No, I, I, my breakfast nowadays is probably three eggs. You know, Sometimes I'll juice it up to four if I'm hungry, but that's about as many eggs as I can eat or would want to eat. Yeah, I think so too for me. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Flick or back in? Uh, I would say Flick, probably. Your favorite cereal? Favorite cereal. You know, I don't eat much cereal anymore because I'm, I'm kind of avoiding dairy. But, God, you know what I used to love was Waffle Crisp. Mm. Just that syrupy goodness. Syrupy goodness. Maybe that's what we'll chant when you score this year. Who inspires you? It's a good question. You know, I would say for, for a lot of my ring career, a couple of the most inspiring people were Josh Mullen, for one, and Dave Snoke is another. I mean, there's, there's a lot of these kind of older ring guys that are still very inspiring to me. But those two were always two guys who, you know, just by looking them in the eye, I, I would be inspired. Um, you know, nowadays on kind of like our current Flyers team, I would say Justin Allen for one. You know, after, you know, messing his knee up pretty bad in 2019, he's, he's making a great comeback this year and just kind of see the fire that he still has for the game after, you know, what, what could easily have been, you know, potentially career-ending injury. That's been really inspiring so far this season. And then probably Henry Fisher, man. There's another one of these young guys who just puts so much heart into everything he does. And you can just tell how much he cares about the team and the sport that, you know, that he, he's, that inspires me. Summer or winter? Summer. Even though it's ungodly hot down here. Spring or fall? Probably spring. I just love that smell of spring in the air and, and the, uh, impending summer coming around the corner and, and the weather again here in spring is, is about as good as it gets hamburger hot dog or taco you have to go taco here i mean i i eat a lot of tacos i love tacos i make tacos i've i've got my own tortilla press now so i'm making my own corn tortillas yeah i mean i i could probably eat tacos every meal for the rest of my life if i really had to you could eat 12 tacos in the morning maybe not eggs but just 12 tacos favorite offense um favorite offense i'm you know, I kind of grew up in the classic vert stack, and I that's still kind of near and dear. I just like the simplicity of it and effectiveness of it. Um, although, you know, we run kind of like a, we call it a homie, kind of like a handler weave, handler driven offense. And that's uh, quickly kind of becoming one of my favorite things, not only because it's fun to run, but it's very effective. So, yeah, one of those. We're dribbling for days, baby. All the dribbling. I'm trying to learn how to dribble. I'm not going to lie. Favorite defense? Probably more relevant question for you. I mean, just hard person, like grind it out defense, you know, physical, get in your man's shorts. And just, um, I really loved back in, you know, kind of my early ring days, we would play like a, just a fronting defense or we would, you know, put our best athletes on the field and just front everybody downfield and just make teams try and beat us deep. And we had such good athletes, it was very hard for most of them to do. And those are some of my 
favorite defense that we ever played was just where we're just like, go ahead and try and beat us deep. We're going to front everybody, not give you free unders and see what happens. What's the most satisfying win you've ever had in Ultimate? Most satisfying win. Um, Besides the ones we're going to have this season. Yeah. Gosh. There have been a few good ones. I think that must have been our first year playoff game against Jacksonville, the double overtime win. I mean, that was pretty darn satisfying. I mean, pretty much any win at nationals, of club nationals, is pretty satisfying. Um, Winning those quarterfinals to get into the semis are always satisfying. Um, You know, beating, I think it was truck stop in 2016 to make the semis. That was a pretty satisfying win. Yeah, a lot of those, you know, pretty much the last game you win at nationals is probably the most satisfying, you know. Some, one of those, a lot of those quarterfinal games to get back to semis have been very satisfying. You're still waiting for that big one, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm leaving the door open because I know they'll be the most satisfying yet to come. That's what it feels like as a community, too. Not going to lie. We're just waiting. It's coming. Best post-game or tournament meal. You've had many of these, so I can't wait to hear what your favorite to have after you've had a big game. God, back in college, we used to love the Mongolian grill where they like walk around that round thing and you, you just fill up bowls and they dump it in there and cook it for you and just unlimited food. I mean, those were always great. I would say sometimes like the Olive Garden unlimited pasta is pretty good post-game meal, though, trying to get away from the gluten these days. Um, but, you know, lately I've been just a, a, a fan of just like a really nice hearty barbecue meal. Mm. Like just get like a barbecue combo, get, get ribs and brisket and everything you can get and some nice hearty sides. Um, you know, it's something that I really just kind of a rib sticker as my dad would call it, you know, after a long day or a hard game, you're dropping ultimate. What are you going to spend your time doing? Oh man, gosh, so many options. It's funny, you know, with during COVID not having as much ultimate, you know, or, or any like organized ultimate, I thought I would have free time, but it just, it never really happened. I don't know. The time just got filled up so quickly, you know, with work and, and family and other stuff. Um, I would, I would love to get back into playing music. Uh, I'd play the drums and a little bit of keyboard and just been a while since I've really been able to like play music with other people and, and focus energy on that. I'm also, I've, I've, I've got a growing interest in, UFOs and UAPs right now, especially with all the kind of news that's been been dropping lately, and the kind of uh, government confirmation of what you know, what are like un- unidentified aerial phenomena, quote unquote. And so, kind of actually floating the idea with my little brother of of doing like a UFO podcast or newsletter or something like that. Ah. So, if I had time, I'd be all about that right now. But you know, maybe maybe post frisbee someday I'll get into podcasting or go down the UFO rabbit hole. What's your go-to spike on a big score? You know, really just a, just traditional, just kind of, you know, I, I try and do a flat spike so I'm not ruining discs out here. Um, but just kind of like, you know, one of those emphatic, maybe show the defender the disc first and then just kind of spike it right at his feet. Um, I've always been, uh, you know, not, not, not that I like spiking it on people, but, you know, if you can kind of throw a little toot in there and spike it near somebody. That's kind of fun, especially after a big play. Best pregame tune to get you in the right headspace? Oh, man. Um, it's funny. I've got like a a Nationals playlist from like 2010 on this old iPod that I still carry around just for Frisbee. It's got a bunch of this kind of like... Like an actual iPod. An actual iPod. I just And I haven't put any music on it in 10 years, but it's got just some some like hype frizz music from back in the day, which is, you know, at, at the time was a lot of like, uh, like 90s hip hop and stuff was 
what a lot of what I listened to growing up and, and the kind of stuff that would kind of bring me back to those early days and get me pumped up. Is that um, what you define as frisbee music? I'm curious. I mean, not generally, but I would just say for me, like, like you know, in high school, I was a lot of what I was listening to, you know, on these frisbee trips and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like some kind of still on that on that playlist a lot of like Big L and I think for some reason a lot of that music still gets me pumped up nothing like a good throwback so at the end of all of the the segment I've always done a competition of some sort between Mike D and the voice of ultimate Evan Lepler so today I'm asking you Mike D or Evan Lepler who is the best rapper gosh that's a good question well I imagine Evan's rap voice would be pretty cool you know, he's got a great voice for it. I, I got to think that Mike D's got the better flow. You know, he's probably probably spits better rhymes. So, yeah. Yeah, probably I'll give Mike D the nod there. I was also thinking of a pump-up song. And another song that always gets me fired up is The Last Mohicans theme song. Yes! That movie, that was like a very formative movie in my childhood. And just like, yeah, that that's that theme song when they're like running through the woods like that gets me jacked up too all right so i always give a space for you guys to do a shout out at the end it can be a frisbee or non-frisbee thing in the community globally nationally audl non-audl whatever it is just who's your shout out on our pod uh well first i gotta shout out my wife lee saul for uh for supporting me in in all of my endeavors but most especially ultimate which takes me away from her a lot of the summer so thank you baby frisbee shout out i want to shout out I want to shout out Jay Dono, who, when I first started playing in McCuddle back in the day, was you know the best player that I knew, and he was you know the the best player in the league at the time, probably the best player on Pike at the time, and just a guy that we all looked up to. And at the same time, he was such a nice dude, and we got to play with him and against him a bunch in summer league, and just kind of grew up. You know, he was friends with my dad, and and you know I kind of alluded to it before, but a lot of those those old heads in my early days were like so just so willing to help us out as young players kind of even though we didn't want to join their team we're kind of do our own thing but I just really looked up to Jay Dono so much and he was such a nice guy and so humble off the field and just you know I learned so much through playing against him and guarding him and just watching him so shout out Jay Dono hope you're doing well out there thanks so much for coming on the pod any last final shout outs for the fans before we go Shout out to the hangar too for always just being there and and getting hyped for the Flyers games. Um, yeah, I mean, really, without the fans, like ADL wouldn't be really even worth playing. So thank you, everyone who comes out. All right, no, thanks so much for coming on the pod. Uh, we're excited for the first home game on July 12th against the DC Breeze in Durham Memorial Stadium. Looking forward to seeing you out there grinding a little bit, and it's it's going to be a fun season. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And hey, shout out to you also, Luke, for doing this all and putting it all together. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Noah Saul for that interview. Excited to get back on track over the next couple weeks. As always, our sound editor is Mr. Jonathan Liu. Music by Kai Mosco. And I'm your host, Luke Mead. This has been the Raleigh Pro Ultimate Podcast. <laughs>